0: the tone in the Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren, hello, and Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season Seven, Episode Eighteen, which is held April Showers. The episode aired on April nineteenth, two thousand one. Lauren, was going on that week twenty-one years ago?
1: I get to start with wrestling. <laughs> uh, Daniel's favorite WrestleMania, WrestleMania Seventeen, takes place in Houston, Texas. Notable matches include the second ever table, ladders, and chairs match, and Stone Cold Steve Austin defeating The Rock in a no disqualification match to win the WWF Championship.
2: Now, look at look, look at that! Just the apex of my childhood, like summed up in a concise little paragraph here.
1: Isn't isn't this where Attitude Era podcast starts too?
2: Uh, no, this is where Attitude Era podcast ends. I could have uh,
1: sworn they started with. No, 17. because
2: the invasion no, era. They start. After this. They start with fourteen. That's
1: what it was. Okay. Yeah. So,
2: which I think we talked about when fourteen mm-hmm. came up on the timeline. That 14, like, sorry everyone up to it, including Mary. <laughs> uh, it, conventional wisdom says that the Attitude Era, which, if, if for those that don't know, like, is the boom, the modern boom period of wrestling. It is when we were all kind of coming of age, and you know. And if you go back and examine a lot of it, a lot of it is horrible and is, like, should should not have been watchable even. It's not even just, like, it's like, ugh, we're PC now and all this stuff is terrible. It's like, no, this was unwatchable garbage 20 years ago, but we were just so blinded by... You know, being literal children and having no taste, that like w- w- we just ate it what? all up.
1: What's my excuse discovering it at 29? Well, but you haven't really,
2: you haven't really like delved into a lot of the minutia of the Attitude Era. There's, there's a lot like, there's the stuff that you hear about and see in documentaries about the Attitude Era. There's a lot of things that you forgot about or never knew happened that are truly atrocious about this era.
1: Unless you're listening to SmackDown Crawl.
2: Yes, but so, you know, conventional wisdom is that that the Attitude Era spans from WrestleMania 14 in uh early 98 to WrestleMania 17 in early uh 2001. And so this night, this event here was like kind of the culmination of all uh it was like it was like that who song uh, um Bob O'Reilly, like you know, at the end of the who's on when, like all the like shit is happening yeah. all at once, and then it just stops. That was the Attitude Era, like it was like everything happening all at once, and then this night. So the big, the big reveal at the end of this night, Aww. spoilers for a twenty year old pay per view. uh The big reveal at the end of this night was Stone Cold Steve Austin for the first time ever turned heel. Well, not the first time ever, but the first time since the Attitude Era began. He he turned heel. Aligned himself with Mr. McMahon, who was the big bad character the whole time that he'd been feuding with since 98 and turned on the rock. And they did this in Texas, which was a really stupid decision because he was going to get cheered no matter what, because it was Texas. And so it was, you know, it's still a show that I can go back and watch today with like zero qualifiers. Like I can go back and watch this show tonight and have the best time. I've probably watched this show two dozen times it's the very definition of all killer no filler like there's not a single match that is a fucking drag and even the matches that aren't as good are still like it's a cool moment i don't know
1: know. i don't know if i've watched this one yet daniel can this be put on the list of group watches that you and me do while you're building legos
2: absolutely because it is like i love watching this like i had this i had this on vhs like, this is one of the only shows that I ever bought with my own money. Like, I had this this show on VHS, and I wore that fucking tape out. Like, and as shitty as they are, gotta fucking shout out Limp Biscuit for giving the fucking uh, uh, theme song to the my whole way. event. That promo package between Rock and Austin with that Limp Biscuit song behind it is maybe the greatest, like, th- it, like if you ever want to show somebody a, 90 second two minute clip of what makes pro wrestling interesting and cool and great that might be it because if you're not fucking like ready to run through a brick wall by the end of that i don't know i don't know what to tell you like i don't know what's wrong with you so (laughs) huge recommend of the week for wrestlemania 17 even like it's it's perfection from beginning to end
0: and Uh, see tune in next year for my exact rant like that on wrestlemania 18 because that's my favorite
2: which i tried to watch recently and could not get through. There's just so much post attitude era hangover that is just right. like <laughs> this sucks. Like i was just like there's there's a lot of good things in that show. i think largely it's an underrated show, but like i tried to watch it and i just got bored halfway through and i was like there's a there's a match in here over shampoo. i can't. This like, has been- I didn't say it was the
0: best. <laughs> i didn't say it was the best thing ever. i just said it's my favorite wrestlemania ever. And that's, this-
1: that's fair. This has been Wrestling Corner with us. Sorry. Um, I would love to just sit and wax poetic on wrestling like for hours for one of our shows.
0: Fifteen hundred dollar tier on Patreon, patreon.com slash similar podcast. I will do a
1: weekly <laughs> AEW recap show. Oh yeah I will.
2: But for the for the fifteen hundred dollar tier on Patreon we will talk we will switch this over to exclusively talking about wrestling. For the two thousand dollar tier on Patreon, we promise we'll never fucking mention wrestling again. <laughs> and I think we have a better chance of getting that one fulfilled.
1: Though I will say, we do have at least one listener that came to us from the Attitude Era That's true. That ad spot paid for itself. We we appreciate you being here. Um, At least one person who identified themselves. Maybe some other people came over without knowing. Um, But that being said, let's continue on with our news, because that was only headline number one. I'm so sorry. Uh, The Mars Odyssey satellite is launched by NASA... The device took a little over six months to travel from Earth to Mars and remains functional and in Mars' orbit to this day. In addition to its stated mission of scanning for signs of prior life on Mars, the satellite has also served as a communications relay for various surface rovers, also sent by NASA. It is expected to
0: continue operations through 2025. See, this is my jam. I fucking love space. Just... Yeah. yeah, I just love we everything about now it. Now, is we this
2: love- the is the, this is not the one that saved Matt Damon, is it? No, no, no. that's that a different was, one.
1: That was the one from that's like Pathfinder. the...
2: Pathfinder. That's the one from yeah. the nineties. Yep, gotcha. Okay,
1: that was the the actual like rover, not the satellite itself.
2: Ah, uh, yes, yes, of course.
1: Yep. Gosh, Daniel. And new movies over the short break included Blow, Along Came a Spider, and Bridget Jones' Diary. However, Spy Kids, my jam, was apparently something of a hit as it held on to the box office crown for all three weeks. And All for You by Janet Jackson is your new number one song.
2: Yet another week where I can like picture the DVD covers of all of those movies on the mm-hmm. blockbuster shelf. Like yeah. I can, I'm am I'm pretty sure I I know I've seen Blow. I'm pretty sure I've seen Along Came a Spider. I think I've been in the room while someone has watched Bridget Jones's Diary. And I was a I, little too old for Spy Kids, but I did have cousins that did watch it and enjoyed it.
1: I loved Spy Kids. Um, I still need to watch Bridget Jones's Diary. It's
2: on my. It's on our Plex server. But Spy, Spy Kids, Kids is the is Spy Kids the the sequel is the one that gets really weird and like. Has like <laughs> the Steve Buscemi character.
1: But to say the sequel is the one that gets really weird. Yes, the sequel is the one with Steve Buscemi. Um, and then the
2: third one. <laughs> I haven't even seen the movie, but just seeing the out of context yeah, clips does, of him. Does
1: God, too, fear his creations? <laughs> um, and then the third one's the one where they go all video gamey. But yeah, the first one. The first one is excellent. It the only
0: thing good. I remember is the kid is the boy character oh yeah and just his glasses it's just the going glasses like, which in, he's in. another
2: shout out to whatever that episode that was a few weeks ago where i mentioned the one child actor who like has had like a big social media renaissance resurgence career the spy kids kid is the is like that too Really? Like, he yeah i see he gets recommended to me on like instagram reels and stuff all the time uh the girl in that movie is a real fucking whack job let me yep. tell you yep, that right girl on. that girl is like level 12 crazy like oh, right no. right ring religious nut job crazy oh, man. she is whew, yeah
1: yeah alexa, alexa vega
2: i feel like i mean this is, let's get let's get real weird i feel like some bad shit happened to that girl like i feel she got uh hyper at a very young age like i remember people she was one of those uh, celebrities who like hit puberty and then people started having like 18 year old countdowns on her And like you know, I I feel like some real bad stuff happened to that girl, and I feel like it broke her brain. But in any event, uh, what what else? else? (laughs) What else was on that evening at eight p.m. Friends with the episode, the one with Ross and Monica's cousin. At eight thirty, cursed, and then Jack had two dates. At nine, Will and Grace with an old fashioned piano party, and at nine thirty, just shoot me with the episode Fanny Finch. it was on just shoot me? sure yeah wasn't that david, that's david spade's character isn't it in that show finch wasn't that the character's I name i have on no that idea.
0: show? i haven't seen it in probably a decade and a half okay
1: okay here's here's weird thing going back to spy kids boy for a minute
0: yeah let's, he
2: let's is, drag back into that he, i'm
1: sorry he's married to megan trainer
2: oh is that what it is okay yeah. well then that 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 tracks then and the, they, he is the, in fact all about that base
1: and they just had their first son together last year good
2: for them neat
1: Sorry, just that was weird enough that I thought it warranted going back for a second. Fair. Totally. Carry on.
2: Uh, this week's episode had 24.3 million viewers tuning in, directed by Christopher Misiano, doing his ninth out of 11. Hashtag never forget. Uh, previous ones of his from this season included Jeez. The Dance Me Too <laughs> and me Sand and Water, and written by Tom Garrigas, doing his second out of two. And uh, his other episode that we talked about was Peace of Mind.
0: Stay tuned for the season eight headlines, which are going to be nothing but happiness and joy. Oh, oh God.
2: God, that is coming up, isn't it? Oh, my God.
1: Do we yeah. just have to do an entire like pre-season nine eleven conspiracy theory episode just to get it out of the
0: way? No, Why would we do a conspiracy? Yeah, theory? yeah. we conspiracy all know that. Jeff I'm so I, I, still I will say
2: because because that's what we need in the first ten minutes of this is another fucking tangent. Um, Go. Go. I will say how glad I am that there is no ER nine eleven episode. Like there yeah. is no, they don't address it. It doesn't become a plot thread. It doesn't. Like it's not it. We don't have to watch the characters deal with the fallout of it and all yes. this shit. Like I'm so thankful that they did not go to that well because it would have been so easy. Mm-hmm. That would have been such an easy fucking road to go down, and I'm so glad that they didn't because it is yeah. it, it it you you're get you're allowed to still have this like escapist entertainment where we don't have to think about it, yeah. and yeah,
0: just same thing with the West Wing. They did like a special episode like. About how we should be all coming together and mm-hmm. holding hands and yah yeah yeah. But then other than that, it was just
2: And that makes a little bit more unusual, sense given given the subject matter of show. The, yeah. yeah. Given the subject matter of that show and the location of that show. Like this this show takes place in Chicago. Like it doesn't, you know, literally have anything to do with it, but like you could see where they could draw some parallels and they could try to make try to manu- manufacture some drama out of it and they just don't, and I'm just thankful for that.
1: People panicking at the ER all day about what might happen. Yeah. That's the whole. Anyway, Lizzie, anyway, take us into the actual. Yeah, episode.
0: let's go. Uh, previously, I was brought to us by Luca, and let's open with our first audio clip here. Corday is getting ready in the kitchen for her wedding and went freaking out with her mom. Damn it. Oh, Elizabeth. Six months ago, this wedding
3: seemed like a good idea. Look at me. What the hell was I thinking? You look beautiful. Oh, please. What could be more perfect? The marrying the man that you love while carrying his child. Yes, well this love child also comes with an extra 40 pounds and hemorrhoids. There are some things I don't need to know. Where's Mark? Why don't you sit down and have some tea? What, so that I can pee every two minutes instead of every 10? Elizabeth, listen to me. You need to stop. Take a moment. Relax. Enjoy your day. You're being awfully nice to me. It only makes me more nervous. I'll get it. It is not raining.
2: No, 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 little mist. I'm sure it'll blow over. Have you seen my wallet? It's not in the
1: car. No. Damn it. Must be in my locker at work.
3: Uh, Everything will be fine. Well, let me get your father. It's Rachel. Hey, Rach. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. What's wrong? She missed her flight. No, I'm sure she can get another one. But perhaps she shouldn't have left it until today. Well, she was starring in her school play last night. Well, that's why they invented understudies. Mother, all I said was Don't. that was why. They...
1: Everything's okay. She's uh, switching airlines and she's gonna fly into Midway.
3: Give me time to grab my wallet, and then I can swing by and pick her up. Hey, it's no big deal. Does it always have to get so complicated just at the last minute?
2: Everything is gonna go like clockwork. In a few hours we're
1: gonna
4: be surrounded by friends and people we love, and your mother.
2: And the three of us are going to be married. (laughs) That is a good line.
0: Two things. Yeah, Mark, that's not really gonna work out the way you think it is. And also Am I the only one who finds it a little weird that he says the three of us are going to be
2: married? Yeah,
1: because I know he's talking about the baby, but the yeah. way it pans out, it sounds like he's talking about Lizzie, her mom, and him.
2: Yeah. Oh and yeah, sure.
1: yeah.
2: I do like the line right right before it though of, <laughs> "We're going to be surrounded by friends and family and people we love and your and mother." mother.
1: <laughs> so good. <laughs> this just this just sets the whole scene so well for the day. Sets the tone. I was trying not <laughs> to, but.
0: Uh, uh.
2: This, this mm-hmm. whole episode is like, not the whole episode, but like there's several times in this episode where it's like, I feel like the guy who wrote this episode, Tom Garrigus, I feel like he's a big mother-in-law guy. Like, I feel like he's a big like, <laughs> ah, mother-in-laws, am I right? Like, I feel like that's his whole shtick because like this whole episode, there's several times where they kind of go out of their way to be like, ah, mother-in-laws, they suck, don't they? Like, I just don't really, I don't really well, get that,
1: it. And they have they've specifically, though, said it before that she does have a bit of an antagonistic Relationship with her mom. Oh yeah, no, for sure. So it it lays it a little bit better there, but yeah, you're right. It is a bit, bit much. Uh, we go over to Benton and Cleo talking about uh, if she's going to be covered for her shift so she can go to the wedding, and um, she said Malucci was probably going to cover her if he came in. Malucci is nowhere to be found, so he is trying to get Malucci's phone number to call and find out because like he of course wants his date to be there. We'll find out. This is a little bit of a gag through the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Carrie is giving Luca a run of the board because she's getting ready to head out. She is going to Vegas and right as she's giving the run, uh, Connie tries to call in sick, uh, really to go to the wedding and all the other nurses have already done this. So they're already short staffed and Carrie says, fine, uh, you can stay home. But if I see one photo of you in that wedding, you're fired. Cool. (laughs) Carrie, love it. And Abby has a disgusting cold for the episode. Luca tells her to go home and sleep before the wedding. She says, of course, she can't, because they're short staffed. And we find out Carrie is missing the wedding for a conference in Las Vegas because she actually wasn't invited.
2: Which is weird to me. Yeah. So like that I is think- that's one of the things in this episode that like like okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick at this scab again. You wanna what? be upset about fucking Doug and Carol not being at the funeral? Mark, I did. I, Mark's dead. Doesn't matter. So like this, actually, everybody's still alive for. And I get that they're mad at her because she called for competency <clears> testing <throat> and all this other shit. But it's still shitty. Like Carrie Weaver should have been at the wedding. That's my hill I'm going to yeah, die on.
1: Absolutely. And I did make the joke at the end of this episode. Why weren't Doug and Carol there? I did it just to be an asshole. But, oh, we're going to get um, into that.
2: We're going to get into that. I have thoughts on that as we go. Not so much Carol, but Doug. Great. I have thoughts on that.
1: Excellent. But, um, yeah, so that's that's the big thing with her. She's going to a conference. She's not going to be at the wedding. Uh, we are in with some bangs, and then Mark is coming into the ER via the ambulance bay. It is now pouring rain, and he runs into Carrie as she's headed out. Carrie, you know, politely gives her congratulations and says it very heartfelt. And he's like, thanks. Okay, that's weird. Bye. Yeah, it's kind of like, awkward. Yeah, because he realizes he he's probably weeks later feeling a little shitty about this. And here's the thing: invites probably went out way before that whole thing actually happened. So they like would have had to uninvite her. Yeah. If it was because of the competency testing thing, that's picking too far into this. Lizzie, what happens next?
0: <laughs> uh, well, Chen's here, and she runs into Mark as he's grabbing his wallet, and she gives uh, Carter a hard time about taking Rain to the w- Raina to the wedding. That's so that whole thing's still going on. Uh, but Chen will be standing down, holding down the fort while everyone's at the while everyone's at the wedding. And Abby gets a radio from paramedics, a prison van is overturned, and Carter tells her slash the EMTs that they can take three majors and ten minors. And Abby does not seem happy about it. She's like, we should check
1: with Luca, because
0: he's the attending.
2: And, and just, we're short-staffed. And he just takes the microphone from her and does it for her.
1: It's, it begins.
2: Right. Fucking, this, like... This fucking, whole
1: episode is just a dick-waving contest.
2: Fucking Carter's, like... You know teenage date being at the wedding but carrie not has big uh, reese was delivered by delamico energy like it has big like let's put this insignificant character who does not matter at all in this very significant event in the timeline and like we'll just brush somebody else off to the side who deserves to be there more like it's just mm, does not sit well with me okay
0: if, even if the wedding invite doesn't sit well with you, I do actually like her side story.
1: Yes, it is a good one for this episode.
2: Oh, Carrie's side story? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, no. It's, it's not like they completely waste her time in this. It's just yeah. the like concept of her not being allowed to be at the wedding kind of rubs me the wrong way, but I digress. We come out to the Ambulance Bay. Mark comes out to his van being towed. I love the consistency with Mark's van. Yeah. That he dri- just drives the most sad bastard van in the history of vans. Uh, Rachel is now stuck in St. Louis because all the flights are canceled out of there. The storm is uh, throwing everything off. We then see Lizzie uh, in her wedding dress uh, chatting with her mom about the day. Uh, this nice dress. I, I'm it's really... Yeah. This is what it's happens very, when I read Lauren's notes. I'm
1: sorry. It's a very... Pre- I put a fashion note in here because, of course, I did. It's a very pretty dress. She I looks do stunning.
0: Lo- I, do, I do love this dress. Yeah.
2: Uh, and is this the mother here? I wish your father yeah. could see you. Yeah. And... I just want to say before we get to it, how much I love Paul Freeman and how much I how excited I was to see him in this episode again and like how it just he's one of those people like particularly particularly this character but also just him as an actor like when he pops up in things I'm just happy like he's just a, a warm fuzzy actor for me. Uh, Lizzie is making excuses for why he isn't going to be there, and uh, she <laughs> says that had I worn white, I would have looked like I could sink the Titanic, which you know fat shaming's not cool but when it's a self-own it's, it's pretty funny like, it was a yeah. good
1: it was a good enough joke
2: yeah uh she then gets a pair of earrings from her mom that uh her mom and her grandmother both were married in them so and yeah, besides
0: it's kind of unavoidable when you're pregnant to gain, yeah. gain oh, sure. a bunch of weight you sure. have a whole baby inside you? Yeah,
2: you're growing a literal human. A whole ass person all up in there. Yeah. Uh, Ella Tiberius Green, as her Christian name is stated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we then go back to the ER where a woman is being brought in uh, with chest pain and her arm hurts. And Lauren?
1: Whose films are those?
2: And as she's, she's one of the prisoners from the uh, Van Uh Turnover, uh and so she's brought in with a guard. And Chen asks if they can take the cuffs off so they can examine her wrist. And the guard says, "Not a chance." Seems like a nice guy. uh And the guard says that uh, she probably hurt the wrist herself. So this that whole, so this, that means she shouldn't be treated for it. Like, it's, wh- yeah.
1: This whole episode is so problematic. Yeah. In, in, this, reminder, in this side
0: storyline, that when I say all cops are bastards. That includes prison guards.
2: It's like a... Uh, th- th- <laughs> this side story here is kind of like a uh, uh, precursor to Orange is the New Black a little bit. Like, it's kind of like a... You could see some of the seeds of that show being planted here, which actually, uh, a lot of ER alums, uh, not only on camera, but also uh, behind the scenes of that show as well. Like, there's a lot of crossover mm-hmm. between uh, ER and Orange so is the New Black.
0: So, what I'm hearing is Genji Kohan was... Is an, or is an ER fan.
2: Could be. Could be. Uh, we... Uh, so, our... our Guard, or not the guard, but the uh, patient here—the one with the hurt wrist—we will see her uh, a lot more this episode, and she is played by actress Karima Westbrook, who appears in stuff like *All Americans*, *Suburbicon*, and *The Rum Diary*. Uh, and then we also get to see Carter working on a guard with no vital signs, no pulse, even after shocking with paddles. So, not looking good for him.
0: Speaking of things not looking very good, uh, Corday's mom gets off the phone with the limo company, and they say they could because, and they say that they don't have. The reservation for a limo today, so her mom is like, "It's okay, we'll just drive. It's okay." Like trying to keep her, trying to keep Corday as calm as humanly possible. Where's if I I ride you like a donkey? I'm she's
1: yelling (laughs) about she's yelling about like she's yelling at the driver because she's like, "I have a deposit." I'm going to get there one way or another, even if I have to ride you there like a donkey. Oh, like yeah. you are going to take me to my wedding. It's and her
0: mom is like, chill chill out, and she's and Corday with the most perfect line delivery just says, This is America, and sometimes you have to kick some ass. <laughs> her
2: her angry her angry British acting in this moment is uh some of my favorite.
0: Uh Love Alex Kingston. How about, so Corday and her mom are going to drive to the church and gonna leave a little early. Mark calls and says that both airports are closed due to the storm, so Cordae asks if they want to postpone, since some of the other guests won't be able to make it make it in either, but they're like, nah, let's get married. Yay. So,
1: question. Does this mean, um, this whole episode, Rachel is just in limbo, aka St. Louis, while all of this is going on, and just just stuck by herself as a teenager traveling, waiting to for her to get to Chicago for her dad to get her?
2: I don't I don't think she's even in St. Louis. I think she's stuck in this like interdimensional portal and that's Limbo. Rachel one got on the plane, but Rachel two will get off the plane. Yeah, she's, she's being this warped. Is, this
0: she's, is how it happens. Yeah, she's being warped in space and time.
2: Yeah. Yep. It's a it's a real black mirror thing going on.
1: Yep. And then the van of female prisoners is brought in and as they come out they're all flirting with Yosh and Luca, and Yosh is like, not a chance. <laughs> I love that. It's so good. Uh but then Mark heads up to the L platform, but we learn the train is down. A tree fell on the track by Surmac, so the red line is inoperable. Okay. Okay. Lauren and Lizzie, train time. <laughs> okay.
2: Uh, that screeching sound you hear is uh, this episode screeching to a halt because
1: they do say they do say the red line specifically. Yeah, is they said
2: the red
0: line specifically, which is an underground train most of the way. Most of the most of the way, like at least through through there. Will be where
1: where he would be boarding.
0: Where he would be boarding would not be the red line, because he's walking up to a train in the loop. He is definitely walking to either one of the blue, the brown, the orange, the green, or the pink or the purple lines. Like, there's plenty of
1: other blue lines also underground downtown. Is it underground downtown? Yep. By Town Hall and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. uh, Block thirty-seven. I always
0: think because of the Clark and Lake stop that. I always forget that there's two parts that stop the underground part yep. and then the above ground. Nope. So I always assume. So for some reason, my brain always thinks that the blue line runs.
2: Nope, also up
0: down,
1: top. also downstairs. Yeah.
0: See, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Writers, get your shit together.
1: But yes, uh, and Surmac is south. Um, so the green line may be affected, but not where they theoretically are. Yeah. So this would not have the repercussions that they are talking about. Fascinating. Yeah, it wouldn't <laughs> shut
0: down the whole train <laughs> system.
1: I hate that Lizzie and I both caught this while we were watching it. We both, the minute he said that, we looked at each other and we were like, eh, eh. eh. I know,
2: and you, text, <laughs> you texted me about it too. And like, so when I went to go watch the episode, I was like, "Oh, there must be some like egregious blunder with the trains here that's like ridiculous." And then I watched, and nothing stuck out to me. So I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be some esoteric bullshit. Like, this is <laughs> gonna be some shit that is only a problem for like the most Chicago of Chicagoans."
0: Okay, fine. I will admit that the red line does sometimes run above ground when they're doing construction underground. So maybe that was your, that tunnel- was your
2: big admit. That was your so big. Maybe, okay, fine. I'll so concede maybe because
0: the tunnels uh, on a heavy rain day, the tunnels might've been flooded or something. Might have been running above ground. Then sure. It would go through the loop.
1: I stand by what I said. So Mark goes to catch a bus, but it is slam packed. And he yells that it's his wedding and to please make room for him. And I've been on these kind of buses before. I've been the last person in like Marcus here. It's
0: horrible. It's not great. It is the worst.
2: Is this where the guy too does the whole like, uh, like he says, I'm getting married in like whatever time. And the guy's like, Oh, move it. And we got dead man walking. Like the the guy who wrote this episode is such a like wife guy. Like he's such a like boomer humor. Like just (laughs) (laughs)
0: like, isn't it funny to hate your significant other? Yeah. Like it's your life. Oh my God.
1: Okay. Uh, Apparently not. Never. Uh, but then Carter is told by Luca to give up on the guard he's been working on and to take another patient because he's been working on this guard for 30 minutes with no sign of success.
0: Anyway, uh, Carrie's at the airport waiting for her flight and a guy comes in barking up the very wrong tree, uh, gives her help on the crossword without asking, tell, he tells her her flight is canceled and she's an optimist.
1: That bothered me more than anything. The fact that he fucking gave her a crossword answer without her asking. <laughs> Everything else fine, cute, great, but he comes up and just fucking tells her a crossword <laughs> answer. And if I were her, I would have been like, "Get the fuck out of here." Like
2: That's the That's, yeah. my, that's the big that's offense. my
1: time. That's the big offense. The yeah. rest of this, he is a perfect gentleman, but the crossword thing, it's a great opener, yeah. I'm sure, but it's it's rude in my book. It's better
0: than, "Hey, what's up?" Yeah. I
1: still rude in my book. Daniel, who is this guy? <laughs>
0: But he tries to
1: buy
2: her a drink, yeah, and yeah, she's sorry. like, eh, "Yeah, yeah." You know, of all the directions that this this character could have gone in, I, I think that the the path they chose and the way this all plays out, I think is like perfection. They did they played this right down the middle. I'm I'm very happy with it. But our our guy here, who uh, for most of my notes until we do get his name towards the end, I wrote down his airport guy. Uh, he will, will eventually learn his name is Mike, and he is played by actor Casey Biggs, who appeared in stuff like Broken Arrow, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and The Pelican Brief, among many others. Uh, we then go over to uh the back to the ER where a woman needs them to call her fiance Joe. Uh, they're calling for a surgical consult.
1: And I just want to note here, they continue to be extra shitty about all of these uh, mm-hmm. prisoner patients. Mm-hmm. They're like, he's also a meth head, like, or something like that. Like, Very dismissive. They're all... Yeah. As if
0: she doesn't... As if these people don't deserve medical care, because, oh my god, prisoners are subhuman,
2: am I right, guys? No. Yeah. They're, they're people. They're real shitty here. Uh, Hale comes in and tells uh, tells him they've got a dislocated shoulder to take care of uh, this is for Carter uh, that he has a dislocated shoulder to take care of before he leaves per Luca's instruction which you can just see really just like fucking chaps Carter's mm. ass that, that Luca's ordering him around I think we've officially entered the like these two don't like each other timeline yeah
1: it's it's the dick waving timeline
2: yeah the road to sword fighting begins yeah that was, that was my favorite part of the MCU multiverse was the, the dick-waving timeline. Uh, Abby uh, still hasn't gone home yet. Remember when you could just keep working when you were, like, showing active symptoms of being ill? Like, remember when, like, you wouldn't be completely ostracized and told, get the fuck away from me? Like, <laughs> I mean, see, not that I'm pining I, for this. I'm glad that we, like, have made it more clear that if you're ill at all, you should be at home.
1: I'm trying like, to remember that with having taken yesterday and today off. Because I'm like, no, nobody wants to be around me if I'm sick.
2: Yeah, yeah as, loved I work,
0: loved working while I was sick and touching everybody's clothes while yeah. I was working. Yeah. As was as working somebody
2: tricks. who is like working through a uh, ongoing COVID outbreak in his office, like <laughs> I'm one of the few healthy people at the moment. Like, there's a lot of people dropping, dropping like flies around these parts. And yeah,
0: Warren is not feeling the best.
2: Yeah, we're we're all going through it to a certain degree. Soldier on. Uh, but. Uh, so, uh, the patient that they're working with here with the dislocated shoulder, uh, he so on his way into work with her, uh, he runs into Rena in the hallway and kind of drafts her into meeting with this woman. Uh, and she's been clean of heroin for a year and doesn't want any sedatives. And that will play into things uh, a little bit later.
1: Also, Rena looks fantastic for her wedding outfit as well. Fashion watch.
2: Plenty of that in this episode. A lot of youthful energy
0: coming off Jesus. her.
1: Jesus, <laughs> Lizzie, what happens next?
0: Uh, Corday and her mom get out of the car, and apparently uh, Corday threw up on the way, on the way to the wedding because she thought she was past morning sickness. And the church is locked. Wonderful. And Corday's like, "What the fuck?" and starts banging on the doors. And then her dad opens the door, which is just the how. sweetest moment. So good. Yeah. They
2: they play that moment so well, and She's I just like daddy. I love it. She
1: needed it.
0: She needs everyone in her corner that can possibly be there mm-hmm. this episode. Uh, but we learned that Mark isn't there yet. And we transfer back over to him on the bus. And woman says the cell phones give you brain cancer.
1: Does everybody remember that? Oh, yeah. That whole. That was so much easier to deal with than vaccines or microchips. I would much rather have uh, cell phones give <laughs> you brain cancer every but day. But remember,
0: 5G is going to kill us all. That's fine.
2: I know. I, that's, that was my thought in the moment. I was like, oh, honey you wait till you hear about 5g <laughs> that's gonna you think that just you think that mark's flip phone is gonna give him cancer
1: like i i just have to say this real quick on a high level god that's such a business thing i'm so sorry but on a high level how self-centered do you have to be to think that shadow agencies are out to get you like to, like you're that important they, yeah. like that you're that important that like oh they're they want to they want to put stuff in to control me like no, Deborah. Go you, about your business. Go right. shop and like whatever. Nobody fucking right. Cares. What would they? What
2: would they, they do can with see you
0: behind the veil? They know what's going on. What would
2: they do with you if they had control of you anyway? Like it's like you're still gonna go to Chick Fil A four times this week. Like it's not like it's not like <laughs> with the benefit of free will. You're not already doing what they want you to do anyway. So like.
0: Yeah. But she might, but the person might want to go to Popeyes, but they won't be able to because they're really controlled by five. Oh chicken. yeah,
2: no, they, you wouldn't go to Popeyes. There's a black lady in the commercial for that. They're not going to let you. Good go Good God, You're, you, it's it's only God's chicken from here on out. Yeah,
0: canes or whatever,
2: Cane, raisin, raisin canes, canes, canes or whatever. Wait, whatever are they the are they real uh, Jesus crispy? I mean, no, they're just an alternate chicken. Place, okay, I was gonna, gonna say, like, I don't. Their tenders are extremely mid, but that sauce uh, yeah.
1: Popeyes is great. that the sauce, sauce
2: flux. Is, and the Texas toast, like you. Texas, the only thing you're doing right is your toast. Everything else sucks.
1: Daniel, there is now one right by my parents' house in Michigan. Another reason you should come hang out with us. Oh shit, Michigan. I forgot about that.
2: We have yeah. we have one like right down the street. I don't, I, I, don't I never go, know. but like, I um, we want a short bus right away.
1: But yeah, the whole thing, like nobody fucking cares. Mind control isn't gonna do shit. Go about your business. You're not the main character. Shut up. Just makes me so mad. Sorry, carry yeah. on. What happened Mar- Mark
0: uh, asked Because they're not moving. So Mark asked the driver what's going on. Apparently the bus has broken down and they're waiting for another one. You know what else isn't moving? The growth rate on America's critical thinking <laughs> skills.
2: <laughs> Lauren is. Wow. This- uh, hey. I thought I had not to take this Not, not to put the tinfoil hat on. But Lauren did get her booster like two days ago, and now she's talking all of this. Like you know, she's like she's woke now. Like she, <laughs> she's five G oh, woke.
1: God. Stop! You're gonna make the uh, the chest burster come out because it's I've been I've been identified she's, as a sleeper agent.
2: She's been indoctrinated.
1: Oh, I was so, indoctrinated when one I
2: was of born. One of so okay, one so this is as good a time as any to like get into this stuff here, where like. This is essentially they they chose with this episode to essentially make this the Mark Green planes trains and automobiles, yep. like where he. I love
1: it. I love that movie. I do too.
2: It's a great movie, and it's and it, it I think it's a perfect template to follow for an episode like this. Like this is that I think there was a lot of gold to mine from it, and I know there was no possibility whatsoever that you would have done it, but like so we were talking about this a little bit off mic before we started recording that like this is one of Lizzie this episode is one of Lizzie's like comfort watch episodes and it is technically an important episode because something important happens in the episode but like I still make the argument that like the episode itself isn't really that important and it treats the important thing as something of an afterthought like the 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 big important event that ultimately happens in this episode is sort of just like tucked away at the end and and Mm -hmm. the, the episode is more about the journey to get there and so, like, I think that's fine. I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But I do think if if you wanted to do that, I think you needed to lean into it more. And I think you needed to have a... You needed the John Candy of it all. Like, you need, you need the plucky sidekick that's keeping him going during all Jerry. of this. Yeah, you know, Jerry. I, but know, I, 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 know, I know. But, like, really... And I know I've said it before that like it doesn't really matter and we shouldn't we shouldn't bemoan what was never gonna happen anyway. But there is part of me that's like, this should be Doug. Like there there should be Doug in this episode, like yeah. doing being the John Candy to Mark's Steve Martin. Like there should be this element of like, no man, I'm gonna get you there. And then it just keeps fucking up and Mark is like convinced that this isn't gonna, you know, come together. And like, you know, there's just that little something. Extra that's missing, and if it wasn't going to be him, because that's one of the great things about that movie, uh, *Planes, Trains, and Automobiles*, is that they are strangers at the beginning of that movie. So, like, it didn't have to be Doug. It didn't have to be somebody that Mark was already familiar with. We could have used this as an opportunity to do a big guest star thing, find somebody to have that kind of chemistry with Mark, and be some guy that he ran into on the L platform or ran into on that bus, and. You know, then we have this wackety-schmackety adventure the whole episode. Like, I, I feel like that's one of the missing ingredients to really take this episode over the top for me. And also, too, by by extension, I feel like because they don't have that dynamic going on throughout, I feel like they go back to county too many times. Like, the whole running gag of him ending up back in the ER, it was a little... A little they went back to that well too many times for me. And, like, that's some of the things that make this episode suffer, in my opinion. But, like, I do sort of, like you know, liberal wish fulfillment. I feel like I wish I would have had a little bit of Doug Ross in this episode. Like, I wish I would have had a little bit of like Clooney Smarkin of like, we're going to get through this and I'm here for my buddy. And like, I just, I feel like that is a missed opportunity, but it was never going to happen anyway. So
1: yeah, it it could have been something magical, but um, from there we go back to the woman with the injured wrist. She has a tender abdomen and her name is Sarah. And the guard says, oh, she's probably just playing you to Chen. Like, no faith that she could actually be hurting. And um, she's really, really upset because she's missing one of her last potential visits with her daughter. Because her daughter lives with her sister and they're moving out of town. Moving to,
0: like, California. Yeah, they're
1: moving way, way the fuck away where they're not going to be able to really come visit her anymore. And she's like, you know, I've got four years mandatory. And the asshole guard goes, well, maybe if you hadn't broken parole... It's like now's not the fucking time, my dude. She's already in prison. She already knows she presumably, potentially fucked up. System's jacked, so I won't even go far as to say 100%. She fucked up, but like, just this whole this this whole thing is it it could be so good, and like the the guard is clearly made out to be an asshole. But what they do with this in a few minutes makes me so mad, and we'll get there. And I have words, but. We go over to Carter is attempting to relocate Veronica's shoulder with Rena, but Rena isn't strong enough, and she's not really doing a firm hold on the woman.
0: Cause she's a, she's a she's a nineteen year old, <laughs> yeah. and also this isn't she's a this child. Her jo-
1: well, that, and she also hasn't been trained to do this. She yeah. is not an ER doctor. She's not a
0: medical student. She's right. a psychiatric intern. So, like, she
1: would have never done this before. So, there's that. Luca walks in and says that. uh Veronica needs more sedation because they need to relax her so the shoulder will pop back in place without nerve injury and um Carter kind of I'm a little proud of him here he's still a bit of a dick but he actually just signs off says I'm done I'm out for the day you guys can do this but he doesn't want any part of it he's like I'm not gonna force this woman like they essentially coerce her into taking the drugs mm-hmm. but Carter leaves before they actually give her anything cause he gets it he doesn't Right. He's like no, I'm not gonna. Oh, am yeah. not gonna be he a part of this. He
2: wouldn't want that in that situation. Right. Right. And, and,
1: and and he like he gives Abby a knowing look when he leaves too.
2: Yeah. In this particular instance, you know, like there's a lot of things that Carter does, you know, <laughs> both recently and in the future that I disagree with. But like th- in this particular instance, like I feel like he is in the right. Like you know, it's not like he didn't give the the patient the option of uh you know taking pain medication or or having a um you know some kind of sedation like he gave her the option mm-hmm. And she said no. And she had very valid reasons for saying no, you know, because of her previous addictions. Like, I, you know, if I had worked my ass off to get clean and, like, stay clean, I'm not going to, like, throw that all away. Especially for a situation that wasn't her fault. Like, she was a passenger in a vehicle that, you know, was overturned. It wasn't an accident, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I totally get where she's coming from, you know. And I, I, in a some kind of sense, I get what Luca's coming from, too, because he's saying, you know, like, she's risking long-term nerve damage by you know doing it this way and like uh, i have some nerve damage in a shoulder and it fucking sucks like it's you know so like i get i get where he's coming from but you know i just feel like carter as her physician as the first point of contact physician here i feel like he was doing his job like of advocating for the patient here he should not however have had his very much too young for you bro girlfriend assisting him on the procedure however no
1: especially with no training yeah um but then from there, we go over to Cleo. <laughs> I love this part. She's working with a woman who uh, was involved in the accident. Not a patient, I don't think, but just an elderly woman who was maybe at the scene, um, who had a dream that she'd be in a car wreck and survive. Okay, maybe this was a patient, because her next line, or maybe this was a prisoner, because her next line is, in the dream, I strangled a female doctor with my bare hands. <laughs> and Cleo's immediately like, okay, someone else take care of this. I gotta go. Uh... And uh, she tells Benton to go to the wedding without her, because my maluchi hasn't shown up and benton's like what the fuck come on let's, let's let's go we can call him it's fine and cleo rightly so says i don't really have a compelling need to attend your ex-girlfriend's wedding
2: what is which is fair yeah.
1: we did see some we did see some uh some spiciness between the two of them earlier on so yeah no this is totally fair like
2: yeah i get it i you know yeah it's easy to forget, though. It's easy to, to forget yeah. all that ancient history, you know, that, like, yep. that why at for, like on first blush, you're like, why is she so upset about this? And then you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah.
1: Oh, and he didn't even ask her. Right. He just RSVP'd with her as his plus one and said, yep, we're going to the wedding. He didn't even say, hey, do you want to go to this with me? He just made the presumption without even thinking about the fact that, oh, this is my ex. She might be uncomfortable with it. So, again, Benton, not the best partner. Um. But then Mark shows back up to the ER and asks if he can borrow someone's car. And Benton says, oh, I was about to leave. I can just drive you. Perfect. They head out together.
0: Simple. Everything's going to be fine, right? Yep.
1: I really, I'm going to say this. I really like this combination. I'm just going to Oh, gonna I say do see. That. That. It's
2: always been a good combination. And it's always yep. nice when, like, it doesn't have to revolve around a trauma. Like, it's nice when it can, like, you know, they can just be two dudes hanging out.
0: All right. Let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Cordy's waiting at the church when her dad pops in the chat
2: people arriving? A few.
3: Any sign of Mark?
4: He'll be here. Where's Isabel?
3: Oh, she went off looking for someone to complain to about the temperature.
4: <laughs> so, I'm going to be a grandfather. This won't affect my dating, will it?
3: <laughs> One can only hope.
4: Yes, well. Maybe I'll be better at it. A generation removed. Parenting.
3: Listen, I didn't turn out that badly, did I?
4: That was luck! You gonna continue to practice? After the baby's born?
3: Eventually. What? Nothing. That's good! I know what you're thinking for years. I criticized you and Mummy for all the time you spent working and now I'm about to do the same.
4: I'm sure you'll strike a better balance.
3: You don't believe that.
0: Actually I do. He's so good. I love her. Yeah. I love her dad. I'm so, I'm so bummed out that we
2: don't get more than three appearances from him. Like this is his second out of three and it's like, I, I want more.
1: Um, it's been really screwing me up now that I've gotten way further into call the midwife to see her mom oh, sure. on screen because she is so opposite to who she plays in called the Midwife. And so I'm just like, can, does not compute when I see her mom on screen.
2: Uh, shout out to uh, casting director John Levy, uh, whose book uh, I read recently. And by the time this episode drops, we'll have already uh, had our Instagram live Q&A with. Uh, but uh, one of the like really... Uh, fun I guess is not really the right word but just like one of the like interesting stories in the the book is about um, the original actress that they had cast for uh, Corday's mom who is like this like old Hollywood starlet like this old timey like British Hollywood uh, starlet and was like this big hero of his and like this big icon for him and he was so thrilled that they were able to get her cast and then she shows up on set And they did the thing that we've had described to us time and time again that like ER had the set of ER had a both a no assholes and a no egos policy like everybody Mm -hmm. got treated the same whether you were the the craft services guy or if you're George Clooney and uh, she basically felt that she didn't get the requisite amount of like reverence on set like that that they didn't you know like they didn't uh, worship the ground she walked on and so she just left. She just like dipped out and was like, thanks, but no thanks. And they, so they had to recast her with uh, the actress here that, that we have. So what a,
1: what a wonderful happenstance. Yeah. yeah.
0: And what a jerk.
2: I mean, yeah, I, I but it, he just talks about in the book how devastated he was that like, this was this, like mm-hmm. this, this hero of his, that he was so happy to like get in uh, the show that he was casting and then it doesn't work out. And so it just bummed him out but uh definitely wish we got more cordays dad stuff. Cordays dad stuff is always a good time and I I love Paul Freeman and I can never go a second of him being on screen without reminding everyone that he is Imaneuz and uh that every, every time. single <laughs> time. Like that well you want to talk about range. Suck on that. <laughs> Suck on that, Gary Oldman. Like <laughs> My man's How dare My you. man's over here pulling off Ivan Ooze and Corday's dad. That's range. Uh don't you besmirch Gary Oldman. We go to uh Mark and Benton waiting in traffic. Just guys being dudes. That's what this scene is called in the script. Just guys being dudes. Uh because they're oh. they're like comparing notes on Lizzie's mom and uh, and and Lizzie's dad, and, like Benton says, he's met Lizzie's dad and that he's all right. And like th- it was sort of one of those moments where I kind of tilted my head and I was like, oh yeah, there is sort of this like right? unexplored thread here where they never really have Mark and Peter like talk about this stuff. Like they they never really acknowledge the whole like oh we've both dated the same woman and and now one of us is marrying her kind of dynamic. It was just very interesting that like that's never come up before now. Um, and, and then here's where we get Mark doing the, the guy who wrote this episode, big mother-in-law guy, because like, he's like, what is it with women and their moms must be a chick thing. And which first of all,
1: I got along with my mom, the
2: idea of Mark green MD using the word chick is just doesn't feel right. Like it just doesn't feel right.
1: This feels like Mark trying to uh, date three different women at the same time. Yeah. Just doesn't feel,
2: doesn't feel kosher. Uh, and then he asks if Benton has met Cleo's mom yet. So, we'll we'll circle back to all. of We never get to meet Cleo's parentage, do we? Like we never no. never really explore. That would that would imply agency and significance uh, in her character, and we can't have that. So, uh, but we go back to the ER where uh, Sarah, the patient, the prisoner patient, is making a valiant run through the ER, and then gets tackled by one of the guards. Uh, she apparently jumped off the table during her x-ray and took off.
1: This is where I get mad because it makes the guard right about everything and makes this patient look like yep she's just she's just in it to Kanye yeah. Like, it, it completely undoes any of the humanizing stuff they had in the last scene.
2: I mean, they do uh, – I yes, you're right. And I, I, But I will argue that they try to do a little bit of having their cake and eat it, too, where the whole yeah. time she's being tackled, she is screaming about how this is her last chance to see her daughter and, like, this and- is, like – so like it's not just that she's running just for the sake of running; it's that she is running right. for a very specific reason. And I get that,
1: but also, what's your plan?
2: Sure, no, uh, yeah, you know
1: what I mean. Like, it's just, it's such a harebrained scheme to it that it just makes me feel like, yeah, big cake and eat it too situation. Right, but
2: right. of uh, of of all the plot threads, of all the plot threads in this episode, this is the one that I feel like needed the most work. Like, I feel like it's the mm-hmm. one that like take two or three more passes on this and like let's let's tighten up this story or like let's fix it in some way like because the carry stuff works really well we've talked about and like the uh mark stuff i think has the the mark stuff needs a little more like carry i think is the best in this episode mark stuff is like a close second and then this is like a distant third like i i I Mm -hmm. want this to be better but it's it's just you know um Speaking of Carrie, we go back to her in the airport lounge where she's working on her laptop when her drinking buddy shows up offering her yet another drink. uh, And uh, she offers to buy this round. Totally willing to, you know, continue this. Uh, Mike, this is where we learn his name here. uh, And she says that she's busy writing a letter to a friend. And uh, we assume that it was probably Kim that she was writing.
1: And they have a cute little letter or email. Mm
2: hmm. Yes, the newfangled email that the kids are talking about. uh, And uh, this is where Mike at least tries. Bless him he's trying here because he says, Mmm, brains too. That's impressive. Well, I
1: think about her being a doctor.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes, because he asks what she does and uh, she says that she's a doctor. And
1: The the thing I appreciate about this is he never comes off as sleazy or, like, yeah. Right. He's always very respectful and, like, it was just like, No, this... This is an attractive woman at a bar, like, but he sees her as a person, Mm -hmm. not a conquest. Right. Yeah.
0: And I'm of the opinion that she buys the round so she she won't feel bad. Mm -hmm. Sure. No, yeah. About blowing him off at the end of this. Well,
2: yeah. And there's no, like, we're not at that point yet where she is, like, confidently out with her own sexuality. Mm -hmm. So, Mm. which is honestly... For this particular storyline and this particular point in the timeline, honestly, for the better, because I don't know that I trust them not to do gay panic stuff. If, yeah, if absolutely. she were like, I don't know that. I kind of,
0: <laughs> I kind of also see this as her testing like, hmm, am I really yes. in this for guys yeah. still? And then Good she's point. like, mm-hmm. she internally has the debate with herself and says,
2: "No, nope. it's, a, it's a gay litmus and, test."
0: Yes. Uh, but anyway, let's go back to Mark. He's screaming over his phone being dead. Because um, they didn't have power banks.
2: Back Never then. heard of car chargers in 2001.
0: Exactly, exactly. What about car phones? They hit those.
1: I don't think Benton has a car phone.
0: Hey, my dad did. Um, but he's late for his own wedding and he's losing his mind and stands on top of the car to see what the what the holdup is because traffic is not moving an inch and Benson is screaming at Mark, like, dude, get the fuck off my car. What you?
1: I was I was waiting for Mark to slip and fall and slam his head.
0: Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. I, I I know it didn't happen, but I was like, come on, just he, do it. He
2: is screaming at him to get off of the car, but if you do pause like half a second, two seconds before that, and you look through the windshield, you will see one Eric Lasalle corpsing real hard uh as Mark gets up onto the, the hood. Like Eric Lasalle's laughing his ass off <laughs>
1: I will have to check yeah. that. Uh, but then we have a seven-year-old male comes into the ER with secondary hypothermia. The rain is freezing everything, so he is not doing great. Um, a groundskeeper found him down at the soccer field by himself, and Chen and Luca are going to work on him to get him warmed up, get some warm
0: saline going. And Abby still looks like crap. Luca tells her to go lay down until driver home when her shifts when when his shift is done and Luca asks if she's mad at him and she sticks up for Carter
1: yeah she's like I don't like how you've been treating Carter he's my yeah. friend
0: and then we go over to Carter complaining about Luca to Reina <laughs> Molucci <laughs> shows up to the wedding with a giant present and Romano shows up Romano always has a very attractive
2: woman on his. Own. I love
1: it. It's such a good part of his character. My head
2: and uh, you know, and this is—I d- don't let this be framed as anything other than completely pro what I'm about to say. But my my head is always that these are high paid escorts.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like none of
2: none of that these totally women are here noticed. without financial transactions. Like,
1: and and if they're here for it, and he's paying them sure. well. Not a problem. Yeah, as
2: long
0: as he is respecting them and treating and them I'm gonna say this, within the rules of what they've established. Also
1: not an insult to Romano if he's paying escorts. No. He doesn't have time to date around. He knows what he wants. He wants a pretty lady on his arm. And if they're willing to, you know, be paid for that service, great. We are pro-sex worker on this podcast. I'm I just going to say it.
2: Going back to Malucci ever so briefly. Yes, please. I do like his whole, like, fucking,
1: I don't know. I, Crockpot Crock
2: pot. Like, his whole thing about, like, his, like, anti-registry thing.
1: like <laughs> Think it's dickish. Think it's dickish. <laughs> like,
2: I, I continue to be fucking marveled at, like, how much wasted potential there is with this character. Like, they could have made such a fucking, like, Charlie Day kind of character out of Malucci. Like, just fucking, like... Yeah, I don't believe in that. Like, you could just... There's an alternate... All I'm saying is that there's an alternate timeline where Malucci shows up to his wedding and asks about the spaghetti policy. Like, there is, like... <laughs> There is an alternate timeline where Melucci shows up eating spaghetti out of a bowl and just wants to know what like if you want to get weird with it,
1: I also just like I love it. Just did you get them a crock pot? I hope not. <laughs> also, you mean I have to lug this around the whole way because he brought it to the <laughs> wedding instead of the reception, and it's it it's just so good. The whole thing just works, and like I love when you
2: it. when you realize too that we're fully into the shitpost Malucci portion of the timeline because we have, like, five episodes left with him. Like, he's yeah. almost gone. And so, like... That's so weird to think Yeah, so, like, we're, we've really reached the point where the writers have well and truly given up on this character and are never going to do anything interesting with him ever again. And and this is perfect. And this is perfect. Like this is, like, this is some, like, second semester of senior year kind of writing here where it's just, like, I don't give a shit about this character anymore. Let's have him do crockpot jokes. Like...
1: I also, I could have sworn, I'm, I know I said this when they showed up, but I could have sworn the frosted tips lasted well. I know.
2: Me did. too. That that retrospective is gonna be a weird one. Like, that's gonna be a weird one.
1: And I'm so excited to get to talk to him. I'm just throwing oh, yeah. it out there. It, like, might,
2: it might like- be the first character retrospective where we actually get a response from the person who played the character. Like, we <laughs> might get a, like, uh, we might, uh, maybe I'll solicit that. Maybe I'll see if I can get him to say a few words about what What Malucci meant to him. Malucci meant to him. Uh, But in any event, uh, we go from there back to Mark and Peter's wild ride through Chicago. Uh, Mark is running through traffic uh, to see what the holdup is. And turns out there was a traffic accident uh, with a couple involved. uh, And of the two, the husband is the more recognizable. He is played by actor Ari Gross, who appeared in stuff like Better Call Saul, Minority Report, and The Rookie. Not the Dennis Quaid baseball movie, but the... uh, Nathan Fillion, propaganda, uh, and he has 127 mm. credits to his name. So
0: I think Lawrence looking to see who he played on Better Call. Saul. I believe he was like a judge. I, he he was
1: a big oh hey it's that guy for me so I'm trying to find out who the fuck he was. Yeah, that I think I recognize. I think him he in. was
2: a judge in Better Call Saul, but uh, he's uh, the high water mark actor for this episode. Uh, but uh, back in the ER, we our seven year old as uh, vitals are improving. Uh, and, as he's waking up, Chen tells him you know what all happened and what they've done for him and uh find out our young young boy here. His name is Brian, and he has this very heartbreaking little you know line here He says that he was waiting and thinks he fell asleep on the field. They were supposed to pick me up, and his parents forgot him because they work a lot uh and I feel like Lauren probably wishes that they'd have just left this kid in a puddle on the on the field, like probably, I, I feel like the precocious meter was a little off the charts with this one.
1: How dare you? No, I will always have a special place in my heart for kids with busy parents. Yeah, he's and not going he, on the
0: shitty kids list. No,
1: he does not get the shitty kids <laughs> list. No, this is this is not his fault. Uh, uh,
0: and his delivery
1: also wasn't too schmaltzy, so he's fine.
2: Just the appropriate level of adorable and sad.
1: Yeah, right. Just some pathos for you. Here have some feelings.
2: That was the intro to my Tinder profile, just the just the right mix of adorable and sad.
1: (laughs) Oh, I thought you were saying here's some pathos for you. I was like, okay. Uh... Um, but then Mark asks Doris to give him a ride to the chapel because the EMTs are now at this uh, crash scene, and he needs to get to Northbrook. Uh. As soon as possible. Lizzie, you have a geography lesson here for us?
0: So Northbrook.
2: This is this is where Lizzie pulls a map down from the from the top of the zoom yeah. window. Just
0: just open open go on your phone. <laughs> open your, your map your maps app, Would be it Google or
2: Apple. Waze or, or
0: Apple, whatever the hell you have. Google or search going to Northbrook from they're probably maybe a bit I would say they're still definitely densely in the city. So we'll say like two miles north of the city center. Trying to think of a good landmark. Lincoln Park Zoo. Lincoln Park Zoo. Yeah. We'll say that.
1: Daniel, are you doing it right now? It is going... (laughs)
0: it It would take you so damn long to get up there. It is... Okay, so when they've referenced Highland Park before, and I've gone off about that, that's only a little bit further. Northbrook is only a little bit further south than that. Or actually, is it north? I don't, or is it? It's in that same area as Highland Park, but like it's it's. I grew up in the town. I grew up in the town next
2: to it. Yeah, it's
1: it's, it's a forty minute drive.
0: It's
2: least, way the hell out and there, and
1: that's right now with with no traffic. Right.
2: But he is going to be taking an ambulance. That I would assume they yeah. were going to be. But
0: the ambulance. But Doris would never take him to North And would not abuse the wee woo wee woo sirens. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the wee woo That's so
0: far like yeah, oh yeah, it's out of my attachment area. Yeah, by like a couple dozen miles. Yep.
1: Uh but she says if he helps clear the scene and like help with the patients that she will drive him. Get him get them to the ER first and then she'll drive them. And, um, yep, I just put Big Oh Hey, It's That Guy for Kevin, the guy in the accident. He's just been in everything I've ever watched. Nothing specifically stood out to me, but I've seen his face in at least ten different shows. So, um, I think the one that stood out to me the most was Dollhouse, just because I've watched that so many times. I'm the only person. So you're the one. It's fine. I am the one person who wanted that show to continue past season two. Um, and oh no, the woman's water broke, and her due date is Tuesday, so... It's bad news bears for everybody.
0: Let's go to our final audio clip here. Uh, Cordy's complaining about about her baby, and people are getting restless while they're waiting for Mark.
3: Oh, boy. What is it? The baby's doing somersaults.
0: Sit down. What's wrong?
3: Your grandchild is getting restless.
4: He's not the only one. Have we heard anything from the groom?
3: I'm sure he'll be here momentarily. We'll let you know. Make yourself useful, Charles. Get us a glass of water. I hope Mark didn't get cold feet. Oh!
4: Surely he would have called if there was a problem.
3: That's well. He's not answering his cell phone. He probably left it at work with his wallet. Men get just as nervous as women on their wedding day. Right, Charles?
4: To be honest, I was never more... ...more anxious. Practically forgot it was our wedding day. Although, in retrospect, that could have been wishful thinking.
3: In hindsight, it would have saved me several years of grief. Stop it, please, the two of you, just for one day.
4: We were teasing.
3: Well, don't. It's not funny. He'll be here, Elizabeth. Don't fret. But I do fret. Every time he's late, I fret. Every time he slurs a word or, or, or gets tired or bumps his head, I fret. I'm about to get married. And I'm afraid, not of being with him, but of being without him. I'm afraid he won't be around to raise this child.
4: But you told me the last MRI showed no recurrence. These new therapies offer a long survival.
3: We don't know that for sure, do we? Darling, don't stop crying now, or we'll never get through the ceremony. Say something, Charles.
4: You're going to have a wonderful life together. Your mother and I love you very much, Elizabeth,
2: and we will always be there for you. You know that. I'm afraid he won't be around to raise this child. Ron Howard voice. He well. wasn't.
0: <laughs> somewhere somewhere the uh, the whatchamacallit theme is starting. Ah, uh, shit. The Curb Your Enthusiasm.
2: <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> oh boy as monologues go though we don't talk enough about i fret like i fret i fret's yeah. a damn good monologue like she but she nails that one
0: she, i just you want to talk about some of my favorite moments from elizabeth corday md the surgeon lady she this is this is one of my favorite parts yeah. of hers that she's ever done on the show because it's just it just feels so real mm-hmm. like she's just so she nails the emotions behind it so fucking well yeah. like i want it almost makes you like wonder like if she had like if there's something like either she's a really good actor or she had something to draw from mm-hmm. or as, both uh, yeah. yeah i mean maybe
2: both as, but still just, uh, as much grief i'm sad for as her. much grief as i give uh the writers for how poorly they handle Elizabeth's character after Mark is gone, the whole lead up to his death and the whole, uh, you know, all the, everything surrounding his death that I think that part of her characterization is handled extremely well. Like, I think they handle that really, really well. And I think she, you know, Alice Kingston performs the hell out of it. And it is just somewhere in the aftermath of his death They just either lose the thread or they lose interest or I don't know what it is, but like it just goes downhill so fast after that. And I think it's because of how high her highs are here that we feel so let down by what comes after his passing that like you're just left feeling like, but there's this amazing character in here and there's so much to explore Mm -hmm. and there's so much depth to this character and we're just not going to really explore any of it and we're just gonna be like "Mm, isn't it sad my boyfriend died like it's just i don't know i mean especially
0: because you get a couple glimpses in there of what she still is and what they still could be if they actually gave her a proper characterization but just and uh, i you know like my favorite moment of first comes after mark dies mm. so then we'll get there In a couple
2: seasons. Yeah, it's just really disappointing, too, because, you know, from the actress herself, I mean, I think a lot of this is water under the bridge now, but, like, at the time, like, she really did feel as though, like, she was being pushed aside for the shiny new toys. Like, that, like, there were younger, hotter people coming on the show, and they were more interested in developing them and developing their storylines, and they were kind of pushing her out the door in the process.
0: Because they did kind of a soft reboot of the show after Mark Yeah, so,
2: like, it's just kind of a bummer, you know, because she she does deserve a lot better and like this is this is a perfect example of it there's the this this stuff right here is a perfect example of why you know lizzie corday is an a tier character um but yeah more more lizzie gushing to come we go from there uh mark hops in the rig with doris and gets his nose uh broked on the door uh gets booped on the nose by an ambulance door uh blood blood all over over his shirt uh, and they radio ahead to call Lizzie uh, back to County to call Lizzie and uh, tell her where he is. Uh, we then see Chen talking with Brian's dad and is like he thinks you forgot about him. And the dad is like, oh, you know, we haven't told him yet, but we're going through a divorce and yada yada yada, whatever. Underdeveloped plot threads abound.
0: But tells Chen that the mom from the accident is coming in in active labor, according to Doctor Green. And Chen is like, who? <laughs> Uh, Luca yells at Mark to go to his wedding, and Abby, Abby demands Luca give him the uh, give Mark
2: Luca's those those sizes don't match. I'm sorry, they don't. No, no not, in
1: those not sizes. at all. Not
2: Mark's going to be wearing a dress to the wedding.
1: Um, and then this is my favorite part because, of course, it is. Uh, because again, shout out for my three other people on the Lizzie and the Bald Boys uh pairing trio triad. <laughs> uh, Romano pops into the room where Lizzie and her parents are at first to give her a hard time, but then honestly to tell her Mark is in fact on the way. They just heard from the ER and she's like, how the fuck did they hear from the ER that Mark is, okay, whatever. Um, And then as he's about to leave, he just says completely sincerely, you look beautiful, Elizabeth. And again, goddamn Paul Mm -hmm. McCrane does sincerity so well. That man was so charming to talk to. And I can't not see him when looking at Romano anymore. (laughs) So like it's, it's the interview effect where now I look at Romano and I'm like, I, it's it's yeah. fine Everything Romano has done is forgiven him. <laughs> like, Paul McCrane as a human being Is so fucking
0: charming Like see, and uh, I cannot see him being half melted by acid And walking towards That's, that's a you problem um, Yeah but, my
2: only My only gripe with this scene here Is that mm-hmm. I want More of it and I want And I want it I don't want it shared with her parents I want, I want her parents out of the room. Like, I want, I want her to insert a little scene somewhere between this and, and Luca giving Mark his shirt. Like, insert a little scene somewhere in there where Lizzie is at her fucking max and flips her shit and is like, all right, everybody out. Like, get the fuck out of the room. Like, I need to, you know, like, she just kicks everybody out and is, like, losing her mind and, like, has just completely had it and is just inconsolable. Then we have Romano come in and like then we get to have this genuinely human genuinely sweet moment between these two where it's not coded in any sort of like hey i'm gonna be a misogynist asshole but i'm gonna give you some pizza and ice cream at the end and it's all gonna be great like no it's actually a like a hundred percent human genuine affectionate friendship moment
1: um i'm if he could have just been this man with her from the beginning, he would have stood a chance. Yeah. And, and I,
2: yeah, I think there, I think there uh-huh. is a little bit of that look from her at the end too, where like, you know, she does have a fondness for him.
1: Lizzie. And she ball. does. Just
2: she say. does have a fondness for him. Like it's not that she finds him completely repulsive. It's just that his behavior and his attitude and his personality it's is abhorrent. Apart. And so like,
1: everything about him. Yeah, and I don't him.
2: know. It, I I really would love to know and I you know, I know that that we're never going to find out, but like I would love to know was it just a fact of like they don't want to let him seem too human because then we can't use him for some of the comic relief type things where we need a cartoonish villain, so we don't want to like humanize him too much. But I feel like just maybe like give us a little bit of, as a treat. Like let me just have a little bit of Romano being a human being. Not that this isn't good cuz it is. But I just feel like there could have been a, give, give me, me more, more, like, really, like, f- like, light that lighter under that spoon, goddammit. Like, like melt this shit down and hook it to my veins. Like, just, like, give me the good He's stuff. He's just so good. Yeah, like, re- I want one really good scene where she's losing her shit, is inconsolable, f- feels like she can't go through with this and this is never going to work. And the last fucking person you expect to walk through the door and be her, like, you know, light in the darkness is this bald asshole that we've been dealing with for the last five years. Like, let him come through the door. Let him have that human moment. And it really does put this, like, it would put this, like, excellent kind of exclamation mark on this pairing that we've seen over the the past several years. Like, through all the misogyny, through all the fucking shitty comments, like, through all of that, there is this genuine respect and this genuine camaraderie between these two. And, like, I just, I want more of it, but...
1: Speaking of things that are absolutely wonderful that that we had just enough of on this one, but still. Uh, Carrie and Mike are continuing to make their small talk, and it turns out his flight was delayed, not canceled. Um, But he asks if they could have dinner again next time he's in town. Or dinner next time he's in town, since they did drinks already. Um, She's very polite in turning him down, and he just says, oh, okay. And he gives her his card before leaving, and he says, in case you change your mind. And then she very very like not stealthily but kind of subtly takes the card and once he walks away sets it on the plate that the server is taking away it's like she clearly isn't keeping the card she is symbolically done
0: with men lesbian alert
1: (laughs) which again I love this because like he was perfectly charming Yeah, they had good chemistry but like it was such a great job of Carrie learning something about herself. Yeah,
0: she was not. She wasn't me, and she was like, "Oh my God, I'm such." Yeah, and and we and we, like, oh, and we
2: didn't have to have any like overly schmaltzy like let the music swell and like she runs out of the airport in the rain and goes to Kim's doorstep and you know has this like yeah. screaming in the rain moment about I'm gay now. Like it's just like we. It's a perfectly muted interaction. Yeah, yeah just I'm good. Big big fan. Yeah. So
0: Benton shows up back up at the ER looking for Cleo and she was in the lounge getting ready and she wants, to, she was going to meet him at the reception and Ben's like, what makes you think I still want, I want to go with you. <laughs> Is that Ben that says mm-hmm. that or.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then she hits yeah. him back with the, with the A tier clap of, because you like to dance with me. And as she's walking. And as she's walking <laughs> out, I love the Eric LaSalle line here. As she's walking out, I'm like, you know, you look good, right? Like <laughs> like
1: damn, yeah, so good, she also looks fire,
0: oh yeah, yeah she she's I'm, bringing she it she is fully hot
1: that backless dress is so yeah. good
2: she's bringing it, uh and then we get a very sweet little uh a, like aside here, which again is yet something else that I wish spend less time with the prisoner van and let's do more with. This little thread here because Chen calls Linda, the uh, mother who the mother who adopted her baby to chat about some of the pictures that she's been sent about her and like clearly is having some feelings and, you know, you know, and it's all tied up in like the, the stuff that the prisoner went through and the stuff that this kid went through being abandoned. And like I get where they were going with all of this, but like they didn't do enough, a good enough job of connecting those dots And they didn't make it focused on her specifically. So, like, I just... Yeah. I would have liked to have tightened that whole little triangle up a little bit better. Um, Doris drops Mark off at the church. Everyone claps as he walks in. The uh, priest, holy man, whatever we want to call him, he throws a little bit of shade at Mark. Like, nice of you to join us kind of thing when he gets up there. Uh, And everything's timed perfectly right. That Right as he runs in, Lizzie and uh, mom and dad are already in their right spots. And wedding ensues. And...
1: So the only thing I can think is that like they saw the ambulance pulling up, or somebody yeah. must have seen yeah it somebody coming, cued it. So they told them because I was like they wouldn't have been they wouldn't have
2: already been coming in you know yeah
1: they wouldn't have been in the vestibule or whatever for that. Yeah. So that was my only
2: my only little little nitpick, nitpick
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Also, wedding ensues and my tiny gay heart explodes.
2: Yeah. I, love them I mean, it's, so it's good. I, I don't know what this show. Uh, I mean, obviously, they'll, they'll reverse course on it a little bit later on down the road. But, like, I don't know what this show's got against weddings at this point. Because, like, they love to deny us a wedding. Like, nobody's business. Like, you never get to see Carol and Doug's you this one it's like oh we're going to have a wedding episode and then in psych it's in the last 10 seconds of the episode and we're going to fade to black before it's over like
0: it's, <laughs> it's okay before the end of the series we get a wedding episode no i know
2: i know it's like they they got over <laughs> their damage about weddings eventually yes. but like i guess it was like we we had carol's not wedding in season 1 and then it was like no more weddings like we're not going to have any more weddings for the next decade I just don't know.
1: Maybe the only thing I can think of is it would have had to do with, you know, if you're talking about budgeting where you want to show things on your medical show, it wasn't quite to that point where, you know, early on in the show where we were that invested, where we wanted to see that much of their out Mm. of uh, the ER lives. Granted, like we said, as it goes on, it becomes much more about the ensemble and their lives as a whole, and less about the ER, which is why we arguably see less nurses and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. But in the beginning, that could at least be why, is they had to budget their shoots and decide, okay, what...
0: Yeah, we can use this church for two days instead of a whole week. Yeah. right. Plus,
2: you know, uh, wedding episodes are, at this point in time, even they're even more so now, but at the time they were really seen as kind of a cliche crutch. You know, like,
0: it's yeah. a way to
2: pop a rating is to, you know, we're going to do a, a wedding episode. Yeah. So I could see why they maybe wouldn't but, want to.
0: But yeah, this is one of my comfort episodes. This is what, definitely one of the ones I go back if I just want to. If I just throw on a random episode, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just watch that. I'll watch, I'll watch two my, my two favorite characters get married. Yeah. And the hijinks that ensue with Mark. And it's an 8 out of 10 episode. So it's like, it's far from the best thing that you'll ever watch. Yeah. But for me, it's the culmination of my two favorite characters. And I love them so much. And I love this. They're just both so adorable they just, "Ah, I can't, my time to get hard, can't take
1: it. I, this was one, I know I liked it because I wished I had had time to watch it twice for notes and myself, Mm -hmm. but this was a week where that couldn't happen, but this was one where I was like, damn, this, like, yeah, my fingers were on fire by the end of it, but it
0: was a good episode. The not carry stuff is, uh, the not carry side stuff is underbaked. Yeah. For sure, and that's why I give it an 8 out of 10 versus anything higher, but- I mean, it's not like inherently like offensive. No,
2: no, no, no. But yeah, it's not like horrible. No. Much, much like the crossing. I think it's an episode that is good as is, but I think they do leave a lot of meat on the bone. Like they leave a they leave yeah. a lot it could to be, be desired. Cut,
1: cut the uh, Luca needing to give Mark his shirt scene. Add in more of the Romano and Elizabeth mm-hmm. stuff. Maybe cut the um, cut the seven year old. I, I, that's fine as is i'm not too worried yeah. about that. cut the stuff cut the stuff with the traffic jam you know like not cut it all together but just cut like him having to get a ride from the ambulance just have him help clear the scene and then he and benton can carry on their merry way you know like just clean some of that stuff yeah. up but yeah. yeah i'd agree eight out of 10. i think
2: the i think the chen I, you know what i think i did i've done one of these stupid deranged things that i do sometimes where i'm listening to myself Think and I accidentally like solve my own problem. um, <laughs> um any. Well, because like I said earlier in the episode, the thing that we're so desperately missing from this episode is the the John Candy to the Steve Martin. Like we're we're missing the the straight man, you know, or the 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 funny man to to Mark straight man to like really make this all work. If we're gonna go that route, like if we're gonna go with the high jinks kind of route, and so I think. To, to do a little bit of a like I have our cake and eat it too kind of thing I think I would have had it so that like Mark tries to do it on his own fails um we see most of Carrie's thing play out and then ultimately she decides that this is not going to work and my flight's canceled and I'm going to go home and she goes home and then we somehow bring the two of them together and she she fills that role. Like, she fills the role of the, like, unlikely hero to get Mark to the church. Like, you know, whether... Because, like, I'm pretty sure we've established in previous episodes that Carrie has a car. So, like... You know, there's some way we could have worked that out. Like, there's some, there's another pass of, there's another draft of this where you, you could have worked out a way where it's like Carrie who's the one who gets Mark to the church, and Mark sees kind of the error of his ways. Maybe in this, in the space of this traffic jam thing, instead of of Mark and Benton having this like misogynistic conversation about ah mother in laws, am I right? Like, instead of that. We could have had this like heart to heart between Carrie and Mark about how like she was just looking out for, you know, his best interests and for the interests of the patients. And like there could have been this really nice emotional denouement between the two of them. And she could be the one that gets him to the church on time and like everybody's happy and everything's forgiven and forgotten. I feel like that's I feel like that's one option. And 2 let's expand the Chen stuff to the almost to the degree that I feel like that could have been an episode by itself. Like, I don't feel like you needed to relegate Chen having complex feelings about giving her child up for adoption to a C-plot in an episode that doesn't really feature her at all. Like, do that. Give give Chen more time to shine in another episode. Like, cut some bullshit out of something else and let, let her shine just a little bit. But, yeah.
0: But, Lauren, what do the listeners have to say about it?
1: Ali M says, I was so excited for this episode when it first aired, only to be disappointed when we barely got to see Mark and Elizabeth's wedding. I just rewatched this episode a month or two ago, and now that I think about it, it was otherwise an average filler episode. I think it would have gone better if they'd cut out any other plot and just let Mark get to the wedding on time, or even show some of the reception. But I do still love Green Day regardless. I
2: would have liked to see a little bit of the reception. That the
1: reception would have been fucking great. <laughs> Um, Jeff E says uh, Mark and Elizabeth get married I was tempted to say finally get married but one of the great things about their story is that there wasn't a bunch of will they won't they business they got together they stayed together they got pregnant and now they get married love it I do remember feeling a bit sad for Carrie because she wasn't invited to the wedding. One of the great things about STT is that we get to see how Carrie really is a good person, but that goodness gets sidelined sometimes by her also being a strong leader, which then puts her at odds with the people around her. So while it's sad to see her excluded here, I know we'll see more growth in her relationships in the future. Also, a bit more sadness to see Chen's sadness at missing her son, but I appreciate the fact that the show didn't just forget about that storyline. Someone in her position would almost certainly be struggling with it and or feeling all the feelings for a long time afterwards, so it felt very, it felt very real to see her still feeling sad. And Anne G says, the delays in Mark getting to the wedding really take away from the fun moments of this episode for me. Watching always makes me feel like I'm having one of those stress dreams where you can never actually get where you're going, and I find it detracts from the overall experience. Elizabeth's parents are hilarious.
2: Though. That I had like never thought about that until I read that response, and like it is such a perfect description of this episode. Is that it feels like a stress dream? It feels like you're yeah. trying to do something or trying to get something accomplished, and like weird cosmic things keep happening to prevent it from you. It's just good, good description.
0: I was, I almost, I almost wanted the intro.
1: <laughs> good god talk about a stress dream
0: hello uh, well that's back in wrap up our episode for today thank you all very much for listening as always The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Antonio podcast for only one dollar a month you can get access to our show notes each week and for only five dollars a month you can get an assortment of stickers including one featuring a favorite desk clerk jerry two weekly access to all of our cast and crew interviews and over 55 hours of bonus audio and video content including the full season recap episodes a free four monthly bonus show called the lounge Movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and Whose Fix Are Those, where Lauren reads us some ER fan fiction. We'd also really appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com Set and Tone Podcast. And we are at Set and Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Set and Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel, where can folks find you
2: at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial.
0: And Lauren, where can folks find you at?
1: Question, this episode is coming out in November, right? First yes. Thursday uh, in folks, November. Folks can find me tweeting about how it's... Uh, Christmas music time. I'm, I'm starting November 1st.
0: Just retweeting more carry memes.
1: Yep. I, it's, the urge is hitting me hard this year. I blame Apocrypals. I will do it quietly with headphones in, Lizzie, until after Thanksgiving. Thank
0: you. Um,
1: but yeah, my personal Twitter, at Lobob92345. Come yell at me.
0: Remind me why I want to marry you.
1: Uh, because we balance each other out.
0: That's fair. You can also find me on Twitter tweeting much more depressing shit, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I am at random gamer, that's JAM3R. And thanks again very much for listening. Please join us again next time. Have a great week.